it really has been a message that's been in my heart for quite some time. Someone might say, well, pastor, why would you do this series? Why would you really dive into this topic? And I have two young boys. Anybody got kids? How many got a lot of kids? <laughs> I know you all got a lot of kids. We have hundreds of kids here. And so I got two young boys, and one of my oldest is in fifth grade, and my, my youngest boy is in third grade, and so they're older than my two girls, and they're growing up so quickly. And what I am realizing is that they are actually exposed to way more than we were exposed to as kids. How many parents know what I'm talking about? It's like they are children being exposed to things they shouldn't be exposed to, and that's because we live in an over-sexualized society. You're walking through the mall, and it's not just Victoria showing you her secrets anymore. It's Route 21. Uh, you, you know, it's Abercrombie and Fitch. They got all these secrets. They're letting out the bag to our kids by just walking through the mall. And, and, and when you watch television, you can't even hardly watch television with your kids. Parents, I mean, who knew shampoo was so exciting? I'm like, I need some of that shampoo. I didn't know hair could be so sexy. My kids are like, Dad, what is she doing? I'm like, son, I have no idea. Just turn the channel. <laughs> what is she using? I don't know, son, but don't use it. Whatever you do, don't buy that. <laughs> yeah, so I just figured as a church, it's time for us to have the talk. We're four years old, and I've never really addressed it from the angle of a single and young people. And so as I am having the talk with you, I've also had the talk with my boys. It was, it was it's, it's pretty crazy. Last year, I tried to have the talk. How many parents have ever tried to have the talk with your kids? How did it go? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, she's like, good. I don't know if I've ever seen for me having the talk. I, thought, I, I think in my mind, I thought the talk was going to be glorious. Like I'm, I try to be cool and hip and relevant. And I, I, I like to think that I'm not 40, even though I am. And I, I had this mentality of, man, it was going to go awesome. So I bought these books because I really didn't want to address it, just talk. I thought if I could read these books, then we could talk about what I read. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, that's a great plan. And I take my kids on daddy dates, and so I thought, well, I'll take my kids out to breakfast. We typically go to Denny's, and we have these daddy dates, and I told them, I said, hey, over the next couple of weeks, I got four books that we're going to read, and so we're just going to read them and, and talk, and they said, well, what's it about? Well, you know, it's kind of about where babies come from and intimacy, and, and, and they're like, What? I'm not sure, what? And I, oh no, it's going to be great. Like, we're going to read this book and we're going to talk through it. I, I just want you to know, I almost ruined daddy dates for life. I only got to like two books. And my son Carson actually said, dad, if you read another book, I am not going on a daddy date. And really what it did was it made me realize if it's that tough for me, I am sure I'm not the only person experiencing that situation when we try to educate our kids and help people have great relationships in their life. And so that's where this was birthed out of, that I want to help our families understand and live out God's plan for love, for dating, for sex, and for marriage. How many know God has a plan? See, the world has a plan, but God's got a plan. And we as a church have got to define what that plan is so that when our kids hear the world's definition, they realize that's a counterfeit. That's not really the way God designed it. And they're aware of the enemy's tactics so that we can have children that get to marriage as virgins. 
We don't have to have that as just, there was a day when that happened. No, no. I want my child to stay pure until they say I do. I want the singles in our church, maybe they messed up, but from this day forward, they can live their life and say, I kept myself. God gave me back that, that intimate part of myself that I lost and gave away. God gave it back, and I've saved it for you until now. And that's really the, the, the passion of, of my life, and, and, and really the last couple of months has just been, God, let our people get this. And I've been pastoring this church for about four years now and pastoring for just under 10 years, and there's so many different people that come from different walks of life and different life experiences. Some are older, some are younger, some different nationalities and, and, and different family experiences that they were raised in. But I want you to know this, relationships are relationships. They're basically universal. That No matter what your background, there are some core things that are the same. No matter where you came from, no matter your family history, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your age, there are some core things that are the same same regardless of any of that. And so when I meet with people, I, I hear lots of stories of relationship. A lot of times they'll come and say, Pastor, this is what's happening. It's very interesting. I, I, you know, they just kind of confess everything to me and I'm listening and a lot of it is not so good. Some of it's good, but a lot of it, when they come and talk to the pastor, how I many know it's bad situations? And, and there's pain, and there's hurt, and there's struggle. And, and as I'm listening to them, my heart breaks because I often think this, didn't your mom tell you? I mean, didn't your dad talk to you about that? I mean, didn't you know that if you did that, that this would be the result, that this is what would happen? I mean, didn't you know that was the consequence of this decision? And, and, and as a pastor, many times I think, well, isn't that common sense? And what I'm realizing is, how many know common sense is not all that common? And so we have to not assume that people know how to have healthy, life-giving relationships. And we got to say, we're going to make a point to teach people how to have great marriages, how to have great dating relationships, and how to be raised up in a society as a child and as a teenager, keeping their purity focused on God. It's not something we can assume people know. They do not know. And today, how many know dating is complicated? It is more complicated than it's ever been. And I just feel like it's my responsibility to tackle some tough topics that people are not necessarily tackling. And so let me just set this up. This is, today's really the introduction to this series. And someone say, well, who is this series for? This series is for everybody who's single. Maybe you're single and you're thinking about dating. Maybe you're single and, and you're already dating. This series is for you. Maybe you're divorced and you started dating again. I want you to know this series is going to help save your future marriage. Maybe you're divorced and you're thinking about dating. This series could help save your future marriage. But it's not just for the single people. Let me tell you, this is for married people as well. I, I'm convinced there are many of you here today, and our church is full of great married couples. You're going to be listening today, and you're going to say, oh, that's the problem with my marriage. I believe that today you're going to be able to diagnose some of the conflict, diagnose some of the challenges, diagnose some of the problems. And then once you diagnose it, then you're going to be able to work on it. And I'm also praying for this, that this series is for people that are living together and you're thinking about marriage. I mean, I, I get it. I'm glad people that are, that are living together come to this church. Can I tell you, you're in a great place. This is a safe place, but there is a better way to live, and it's God's way. 
There's no judgment. Do what you want to do. But I'm praying that when you hear this, you're going to be inspired to say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to seek your way and your will. I really believe it's going to touch so many people. And ultimately, the goal is that every one of you would have the kind of marriage that makes your kids want to get married. I mean, you kids say, man, look at mom, look at dad. They love each other so much. I want to get married. I want to find somebody just like that, that you would inspire them that there is great life and great marriages. Now, I I do want to just kind of give you a caveat of warnings. People who may not love this message or this series are sports daters, recreational daters, You know what I mean? People that just date for the sport, date for the fun. Names and places change, but situations don't. You just go out to have a conquest, and and you're really not looking to define the relationship. In fact, when you get together with someone that you've been seeing just a short amount of time, and they start to define relationship, you say you just define the relationship. It's over. You're not going to love this series. You're not really going to say, wow, that's awesome. But what I would encourage you is this. If that's you. If you're someone that, that is out there dating for sport, dating for fun, I would just encourage you, take these messages, like put them away, tuck them away somewhere, and just say, listen, when, when you get ready to find the one, because there's going to come a day, if you're a relational a sport dater, a recreational dater, there's going to come a day where you're going to be looking for the one. You're going to be looking for that person. And, and I want you to hold these messages off to the side, because these messages will serve you well help you have the kind of relationship that you absolutely want to have in your life. Go back and listen to them. Go back and say, okay, what's it going to take? So, so that's what I would encourage us with. Be here with open hearts, open minds. Now, single people, it's easy for you right now to think what you're doing doesn't really matter. That what I'm doing right now doesn't have an impact on my future relationships, doesn't have an impact with with the future of my life, but I have to let you know that everything you do right now impacts your future, that your past relationships have a pesky way of showing up into your future. Can I get an amen, married people? And so we have to know that my decisions that I'm making now, they have consequences in my life. And when you go to meet the right person, when you go to settle down, your past is always going to show back up. I counseled so many married couples. As a pastor, it's one of my privileges here to, to help mentor married couples and help get them past their places of where them, they're being stuck. And what I have come to realize is that married people don't really have married people problems. Married people have single people problems. It's two single people that had lots of problems that now get together and they're married and they they now have problem marriage. Because see, married people problems, listen, they're not that complicated. Married people problems are this. Listen, how are we going to squeeze the toothpaste, the top, the bottom, or the middle? Right? It's like, hey, we just got to figure this out. Married people problems, which side of the bed you're going to sleep on? I'll sleep on the other. Married people problems are, how are we going to set this thermostat for our house as we come together and start living together? What temperature are we going to keep our house? That's married people problems. How many know that's simple problems? That's easy to fix. What we see and what I have come to realize is that in marriages, we don't have marriage problems. We have single people problems that were never resolved when we were single, and now we're married, and now our marriage is a wreck. See, you think... 
And, and, and I thought, and we thought, all the married people, that when you get married, everything goes away. All the problems begin to dissipate. That, that my life, all of a sudden, when I said I do, the moment I walked off the stage, life was totally different. But that is simply not the case. Marriage doesn't change you. It amplifies how it finds you. It doesn't change you. It just amplifies however it found you. So, so if you were insecure before you got married, how many know you're going to be insecure while you're married? And what you thought would bring security, you thought, man, if I could just get married, if I could find Mr. Right, if I could find Miss Right, I'd be really confident, I'd be really secure. No, it's, it's actually the opposite. Now you're even more insecure because marriage amplifies how it found you. So wherever you are, whatever your condition of your life, it amplifies it. Maybe you struggled with rejection. You really suffered with it and, and, and you found yourself constantly being rejected by your parents, by your friends, by people. And then you get married and you think all of a sudden, hey, this marriage is going to solve that. No, no. Now the problem is you're married and you feel rejected. Where do you go? Where's the hope? Now you feel hopeless. Why? Because we bought this lie. We bought this lie that when I'm married, all my problems go away, everything changes. Why? Because I married the right person. And that's the myth that we've come to believe. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's the right person myth. The right person myth. And married people, you believe this when you got married. And single people, listen to me. If you listen to this, you'll be way smarter than we were when we got married. See, the right person myth said this, if I meet the right person, everything's going to be all right. I mean, if I meet the right person, everything is going to be all right. I can say it like this, when I meet the right person, everything's going to be all right. I mean, all I got to do as, as, as a person is just meet the right person. What they didn't know and, and what married people didn't realize is that while they were looking for the right person, thinking all I got to do is meet the right person, the right person was thinking the same thing. Like, all I got to do is meet the right person. All I got to do is find that right person. And when I do, you know what's going to happen? Everything's going to be all right. Oh, it's going to be all right. Why? Because I met the right person. And so these two right people get together and think about this. They say, oh, man, I met the right person. I met the right person. They're thinking the other person's going to solve all their problems, and they're thinking everything's going to be all right. And here's the reality. How do they know they met the right person? Listen to me. It's chemistry. It's chemistry. So, so how do I know I met the right person? Because we got chemistry. I mean, he stays on the phone with me till 3 a.m., no other man has ever listened to me like he listens to me. I mean, it is, I could talk and talk, and I'll say, hey, I'm going to bed. And he says, oh, no, you don't, baby. I want to hear some more of your life. And her heart flutters, and, and so they stay up, and, baby, you got to go to bed. It's an hour to work. Oh, baby, I don't need any sleep. You are my strength. Oh, I mean, It's chemistry. And she says, I just think about him all the time. I mean, I just, if, if he wasn't the right one, I, wouldn't, I would be able to stop thinking about it. I just can't stop thinking about it. He says, listen, if she wasn't the right one, I, I would be able to stop thinking about it. I think about her all the time. And there's this chemistry that's taking place, and it's just so amazing. And then here's what happens if you're not careful. And what happens to so many people is they start to test drive intimacy. 
I mean, you know, the mentality is you would never buy a car without test driving it, right? I mean, I'm going to go test drive a car. You never buy shoes without trying them on. I'm going to test drive this intimacy thing. We're going to get physical. We're going to have some sex, and it's great. It's passionate. It's awesome. I mean, the chemistry is amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, start test driving it before they actually get married. And so they're close and they're intimate and they're feeling it. And it's this chemistry like I've never felt this way. Why? Because they believe I met the right person. I met the right person. And and that's how we feel the way we feel. And single people, listen to me, married people actually believe there's nobody that's ever loved like we love. Not my grandmama, not my mama, not my grandpappy, not my friends. Y'all ain't got nothing. Y'all ain't never felt the way we feel. I mean, we got some real chemistry. And the truth is, I mean, that's natural. It's a well-worn path that we see happens, takes place all throughout society that you can feel chemistry with anything. The problem is they were focusing on chemistry and not the relationship. So it's all about the physical. It's all about these feelings. And, and then they think this. This is the right person myth. I don't have to be good at relationships. Why? Because when I marry the right person, everything is going to be all right. And that's the same thing the other person said. I don't have to worry about the relationship. Why? Because when I marry the right person, when I marry the right person, everything is going to be all right. And then they get together and they get married. And they, they're, they're, they're doing life together, and then guess what happens? They start to have problems. Why? Because the thing that brought them together was chemistry, not a relationship. So they didn't have chemistry problems. Now they got relationship problems. Now they're fighting. Now they can't stand each other. And what once held them together, which was chemistry, is now suffering because they never took the time to build the relationship and then let chemistry flow from that. Oh, pastor, you're preaching good. <laughs> so the relationship is in trouble, and they're, they're, they're now the glue that held them together. They're, they're fighting in the relationship. Now they don't have any chemistry, and they start to fall apart. And, and what happens is the guy gets confused, and he thinks, listen, I'll just have more sex. Let's just throw sex at it, because sex is kind of like a wrench. I can just fix it if we do this. And the girl's like, what? It don't work like that. <laughs> no, no, it ain't like that. You can't just do that anytime you want. No, but we got to work on this. And so he's confused and frustrated. She's angry and mad and thinking he's an idiot. And the whole problem is they built the relationship on chemistry and not a relationship. And now she wants a relationship. And see this dysfunction and this tension. And this is why. Because lust never lasts. Never lasts. That chemistry that you're feeling... That's not what lasts. It's got to be the relationship that you build your life on, and then chemistry flows out of that. And and then then the woman or the guy, usually it's the woman, they have this bright idea, I know what's going to fix our relationship. I know know what will fix it. Clearly, we're not doing the right thing. we got to have a baby. (laughs) Got to have a baby. So we're going to bring a new baby into this dysfunction of our life, right? Woo! And so, hey, check it out. The guy's thinking, listen what the guy's thinking. Well, that requires sex. You want a baby? Come on, we got to practice. 
So he's all in. The woman's thinking, hey, I'm going to fix this thing because we're going to bring a baby and it's going to make it all better. So you're going to bring a life into your dysfunction. See how crazy this is? And listen, ladies, you think that baby's going to fix it. Did you know that men are the most susceptible in two times in a marriage to have an affair? And one of those times is when you are pregnant. I know you think of that dirty dog. She's trying to work on the relationship, and he's going to go outside of the relationship to get his needs met. He's like, I got needs. Can I tell you, men, sex is not a need. Ooh, it got quiet. <laughs> Water is a need. Food is a need. Shelter in some situations, environment. how many know that's a need? Sex is not a need. There's never been one person that has ever gotten sick or died because they didn't have sex. <laughs> hey, I don't need the peanut gallery over here. <laughs> That's my wife and my sister-in-law just chiming in. Shh. <clears throat> Trying to help me preach. Keeping me honest. So it may feel like it. I get it, man. I've been there. I, I, but, but this is what you have to go back to. It's about the relationship, not chemistry. Because when you get the relationship right, everything else gets right. And so you say, okay, I realize that it's not about the right person. It's about working in the relationship and becoming the right person. And, and that's really where we have to understand in that situation with men. And this is the tragedy, is that they'll go to work, and if you believe the right person myth... Your wife is pregnant at home, you're not getting your needs met, and you meet the right person. Some co-worker shows up, she's been going to the gym, 22 years old, you're like, oh man, I'm feeling this chemistry, something's happening, and so what you begin to say is, I got it, I know what's wrong with my marriage. I married the wrong person. Why? Because now I'm feeling chemistry with another person. They must be the right person. And, and, and so, so it's this trap that the enemy gets us in. And so what you have to realize is this. That's why second and third marriages have such a high divorce rate. Why? It's because people keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. You will never build a healthy, life-giving, godly marriage that will stand the test of time because you had chemistry. It's because you build the relationship because you invested in a relationship. Great marriages are built on great relationships, not chemistry. So it's my desire to help you have a great relationship. And here's really the big idea. Instead of finding the right person, are you becoming the right person? Are you becoming the right person? See, see you've got to say, I'm going to invest my time, my energy, my efforts, and become the right person that I'm supposed to be in my life. Recently, I heard a story of a girl that really brought this to life. And the girl grew up in a religious background. She went to church as a teenager. And she loved God uh, as a young girl and served him. But yet, she went off to college. And when she went off to college, she just kind of started partying, living the single life, going out with different guys, and really making lots of wrong decisions, and went from one relationship to another. And a couple years passed, and she was just doing the whole dating scene. She showed up at this community event. And then at the community event, she wasn't expecting it, but she met the guy of her dreams. This guy was 
the full package. It was the guy she had always dreamed of. He was smart, intelligent, good-looking, had values that she had held to as a young girl. She even, he even said, listen, I want to put God at the center of our relationship. And so the girl, she says, man, that's awesome. And they, they talk all night, and she's so excited. She goes back home to her parents the next couple of days, and she's talking to her mom and tells her mom, listen, mom, you'll never guess who I met. I met this guy, and you, you would love him. He's the full package. I mean, he, he loves God. He wants to put God in the center of his marriage. And, you know, he holds the values that we hold as a family. And, and she began to list off all these things. And the mom stops the daughter mid-sentence and says, oh, honey, that's so good. But a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. As I read the story, the girl said she just began to weep. And cry. And she broke up on the inside. She said from that moment on, that was a defining moment in her life that she realized, if I'm ever going to have the guy of my dreams, if I'm ever going to marry that person that I believe God's called me to marry, I've got to learn to become the kind of person that would attract him. And so are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? So if you met them right now, would they be attracted to you? If you met them right now, would you have the same values that they hold dear in their life? It's not about going out hunting and searching. See, you could spend all your time and your energy. That's the lie of the enemy. It's the right person myth. Like, I got to find the right person. And when I do, everything's going to be all right. No, it's about becoming the right person. That as I become the right person, listen, single people, this will save you years of heartache. That as you become the right person, then what happens? You got two people becoming the right people, pursuing God, and eventually your paths meet, and now you have a godly, life giving marriage that will last and stand the test of time. See, God defined and created relationships. We see in Genesis 2 24, you were created. To be united with a husband or a wife. It says a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And the two become one flesh. You were designed for marriage. You, it's natural. Listen, it's natural for you to want to hear someone say, I love you. It's natural for you to want to hear someone say, I'm faithfully yours forever. It's natural for you to want to hear someone say, I honor you. It's natural for you to want to hear someone say, I cherish you. It's natural, husbands and wives, for you to have that moment when, when you walk in the door and your spouse says, I've been waiting for you all day. I'm so excited that you're, you're my best friend. You were created and designed to have relationships that breathe life into you. God designed that. Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. That, that it is amazing when you find that person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Marriage is great, but great marriages don't happen by accident. They take work. That right person myth, it's a lie from the pit of hell. It'll never happen. It's not like just divine providence. You meet them, everything's going to be all right. No, it takes work. You've got to become the right person. And this morning, just quickly, I want to share with you a few places where we begin. It's really a starting point, and I'm not going to uh, go over all of it, but I want us to move into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Single people, listen to me. This is... 
what defines what you ought to become. See, when you look at the Bible, it's very interesting. If you'll read the Bible and you try to find the right person, you try to find who God tells you to marry, it's really not in there. Scriptures aren't in there that tell you who you ought to be looking for. But when you go through the Bible and turn through the pages of its cover and you say, God, it's not about finding that person, but it's about becoming, so who should I become? The, la- the, the pages of the Bible light up. Because it's about us changing us to become who God's called us to be. And then that person meets up with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want to highlight a couple of them. And I'm just going to give you a few here. I want you to go back and read the whole chapter. How many know that 1 Corinthians 13 is really, does anybody know what they call that chapter? The love chapter. It says, love is patience. Patient, patience. What is patience? Listen, listen. This is a checklist of becoming, God, I want to be patient. You know what patience is? Patience is never pressuring people to do things they don't want to do. Patience is having the ability to say, no matter how long it takes you, I'm here for you. No matter how long I've got to wait, I'll wait patiently for you to make the decision yourself. Patience doesn't pressure the other person. If you're feeling pressured, you're not being loved. That person is not loving you. Maybe you're the person that you're pressuring, like, you know, if you really love me, you would. If you really love me, you would. Or why don't you? How come you can't? And, and you go through it. Then, then the challenge is, is, I'm not saying you don't love that person, but in that moment when you begin to pressure the other person, you're not loving them. And the challenge with relationships is this. We think in our mind, listen to me, single people, you think that when you get married, all of a sudden I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to pressure. Why? Because we're going to live in this happily ever after mentality, this fairy tale. It's all going to be awesome and great. But the truth is, if you don't develop that skill as a single now, you will not have that skill as a married person. Patience has to be developed in your life, and it takes time and it takes effort. The second thing he says is love is kind. Everybody say kind. We don't like that word. It's a weak word. So here's, a, here's another way to say it. Love is considerate. Love is considerate. You consider how the other person feels all of the time. You consider how it makes them feel. And in a marriage, you know, Phyllis and I, we have our ups and downs. We've got moments of passion. And most of the time, whenever I'm wrong, which is almost all the time, (laughs) man, you'll learn that next week. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) It is because of this. I've not considered how it made Phyllis feel. And I've not developed that skill in my marriage of saying, God, baby, how does this make you feel? And so when we get married, it doesn't change. If you can't be considerate when you're single, you're never going to be considerate when you're married. So listen, if you're dating somebody right now who's not considerate, you might need to just take a pause and say, hey, let's go through this love chapter. Why don't we study it for the next 6, 8, 10, 12 weeks, maybe 10 or 12 years? And let me see some of this in your life. Why don't you be kind to me? Why don't you be considerate and patient and all these things? Because if you don't see it before you get married, you're not going to see it after you get married. Doesn't just magically change. And he goes on, look at this. He says, love doesn't envy. Now, if your parents split up and got a divorce, some of your parents got a divorce because of this. You may not know that, but the root of many divorces is envy. It's like, I don't feel good enough about myself, so I'm not going to let you feel good enough about you. It's that mentality of maybe the woman is being successful in her career and the guy feels insecure, doesn't feel adequate, and so he begins to push her down like, I don't feel good, I'm not going to let you feel good. Why? Because you're envious of what's taking place in your spouse's life. And so envy can defeat and destroy a marriage even before it ever starts. 
And listen, single people, you don't just automatically stop envying. you got to start that now. When you're in a conversation with maybe your future spouse or maybe someone you're just going out and hanging out with them, what you got to do is stop trying to one-up every person you come in contact with. When they tell a story, you don't tell a better story. Like, you just listen. So they say, hey, I caught a three-pound bass. You don't come back and say, yeah, well, my dad and brother on the fishing channel. (laughs) You're not trying to one-up them. You say, what? Come on, ladies. You caught a three-pound bass. Let me feel your muscles. Oh, my gosh. Three pounds? Like, is that that big? I'm sure it is. Man, you're so awesome. And what you do is when you learn to not be envious, you let the glory rest on the other person. You don't try to steal the glory. You say, I love you. I celebrate your wins, and I'm here for you. And it doesn't just happen all of a sudden when you're married. No, you have to practice that skill now as someone who is single. It does not envy. Love does not envy. He goes on, he says, love does not boast. It is not proud. Some of you, your parents were so proud they could never say I'm sorry. Your mom, your dad, they could never apologize. Maybe you're in a marriage right now, and maybe you struggle with that, and you say, man, I I just struggle with saying I'm sorry. Well, this is what I know. It doesn't just magically disappear. You've got to say, God, I want to be able to, to walk in humility. That's really the essence of what you need because pride says I'm not wrong. Pride says it's not me. Pride says it's all you. It's never this. It's not here. It's there. But humility says, listen, I take responsibility. I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. I apologize. I may not know how to fix it, but we're going to get help and we're going to fix it. I'm going to do everything I can to invest in this relationship. Why? Because you matter to me. You are the right person. We're going to spend the rest of our life together. Why? Because we're going to build this relationship, not just have chemistry. So there's this mentality of it's not going to be prideful. Then he goes on and says, does not dishonor others. I mean, this is huge, right? I'm not going to dishonor. Listen, if you're dating right now, you should never be a part of someone's regret story. Like, I regret that I ever went out with. I regret that we ever went. I regret that we ever did. You should never be a part. Why? Because as a single person preparing for marriage, you're going to honor the person that you're with. You're never going to be a part of the regret. You're going to honor them as a man. You're going to honor them as a woman. Why? Because that's the prerequisite for great relationships. And listen, married people, you're with me. You understand this. All of a sudden, we thought when you get married, you had this mentality, well, I'm going to marry someone that is so great, they're just going to pull the honor out of me. Like, their poop don't stink. Like, it's awesome. Like just, I mean, why? Because they're the right person, and they're going to be so amazing. Like, it's just going to honor you, I honor you. And the truth is, that's not at all the way it happens. The reality is, you get hit with a brick wall, realizing everybody's got faults. Yeah, they're the right person, but you didn't develop honor, and so now your relationship is suffering. So we've got to, it's, it's a prerequisite. Listen, if they don't honor you before you get married, listen, they will not honor you after you get married. And so it's a cultivating skill that we have to develop. We say, I'm going to develop this in my life. And Paul continues, and I'm just going to read the rest of it for time's sake. You've got to go back and study this. Why? Because this is how we become the right person. It says, love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Now, let me ask you this. Does any of this come naturally? Does any of this just happen in our life? No. 
It's about becoming the right person. It's about becoming the right person. It's about saying, God, I want to be the right person. And look at verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 13. It actually ends in a very interesting way. Look at what it says. Paul goes on, and after he's talked about what it looks like, what love looks like, how you can demonstrate it, he says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I reasoned like a child. I thought like a child. So he's saying, listen, as a child, you think a certain way, you act a certain way, you are a certain way. Why? Because you're a child. But look at what Paul says. He says, but when I became a man, I'd like to say this, when you became an adult, what does he say? He said, I put away childish things. With that in mind, let me ask you this. How does every children's story end? Happily ever after. Think about it. Our society has conditioned us. Every relationship is happily ever. Th think, about, think about the childhood stories that we grew up on. And, and you have this guy and this girl, and they come together, and they face overwhelming odds. They face a villain. They face an evil stepmother. They face a sorcerer or a witch, and they overcome it. And, and then they get together, and, and the, the story goes, they lived happily ever after. All they had to do was get together, and then there would be the happily ever after. Society perpetuates the right person myth. Never looking at what it takes to live happily ever after. And what we've got to realize is that's Disney, not reality. That's fairy tale. That's not reality. Band, you guys go ahead and come up. It's not the reality that we live in, which is why more than 50% of marriages end in divorce. Why? Because single people didn't know what I shared with you today. They got married had single people problems, and thought it was marriage problems. This is what I want us to do this morning. I'm just, I just want to pray over us. Listen, if you're single, this is what I would encourage you. Some of you, maybe you need to take six months and just say, I'm going to focus a year and say, listen, I'm not going to pursue anybody. I'm not going to try to find the right person. That's a myth. But God, over the next 12 months, will you help me focus on becoming the right person? Will you help me be who you want me to be, whole and healed, so that when I meet the person that you have for me, the right person, God, we're going to be two whole people creating a whole marriage. Then there's some married people. Listen. Maybe you're listening and you say, man, I get it. I went into it with the, the wrong perspective. Nobody ever taught me. That's okay. This whole series, man, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, listen, please come. Please come back. Please, you know, if you got kids and you feel like, well, I don't know if I want them to hear. We got great children's environments. But don't miss out on what God wants you to hear. And even your teenagers, I had parents texting me. They're, I, I think, kind of freaking out. You know, and, and it rightly so, I guess. But part of me thinks, like, what you going to hear in church when you got shampoo commercials? I mean, ain't nobody going to do any of that up here. Right? It's so funny. Like, they're scared. Like, what's the pastor going to say? I'm going to preach. I mean, come on. Right? I mean, why don't we just learn some truth? Like, come in here and just say, okay, God, I'm a man up. And, and if you got kids and you're worried about it, the cinema children's department. Teenagers, hey, let me just tell you, parents, they're already facing this. Oh, yeah. You may not, oh, my, not my kid. No, but I, at one time, and, let, and I'm going to end with this. One time, I had a parent, Phyllis and I were youth pastors. Craziest thing. And, you know, we're, we did this whole uncensored series. Remember that, Phyllis? 
So I thought, man, I'm going to talk to young people. We're going to do uncensored. And we, we talk. And I'm reading scripture out of the Bible verbatim. And I got chewed out, left. And I can't believe you said those words. I said, it's actually found right here in the Bible. And I read it to him. said, I don't care. My daughter has never had sex. My daughter has never dealt with any of that. And I'm sitting there in awe because his daughter is the one that came to the altar that night talking about she had lost her virginity that year and been with multiple guys since. Here's my point. Man, if we don't address this, oh, the world's all over it. Devil's all over it. And I'm just convinced that we're going to be a church that addresses some of the tough situations, topics. Listen, it may hurt. Listen, you may be here, and I sense this. You think, man, now i got to go home with this woman or this man, and we got to talk about it. <laughs> this is what I would say. <laughs> it's better to talk about it than end a divorce. What's not talked about is acted out. Listen to me. You got to talk about it. You just avoiding it ain't going to solve it. You could pray for your marriage all day long, but if you don't communicate to your spouse, your marriage is going to be over. You got to have some action in it. And I just want to encourage you, bring your friends, bring your family, bring people. Next week's going to be great. We're going to talk about what it means to be a man. And I know this, that God's raising up men in this church because that's the place I get to have my influence in that are going to be men that know how to lead families, that know how to lead their kids, that we don't have to see our families taste the things of the world, but we can stay on the narrow path and say, God, we're going to reach the world, but we're not going to be like the world. We love people. Listen, and they come in, you, 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 it don't matter how you come in, we're going to love you and let God just work in your heart. No judgment, no judgment. I want you, and this is what I would tell you too, and the last thing, I feel this right now. If you feel condemned or ashamed, you shouldn't feel that. God doesn't condemn you or shame you. He convicts you. Holy Spirit may bring some things to light. The devil would want you to walk out of here ashamed. There is nothing you have done that is too far, too gone. God just wrote you off. No, God brought you here because he wants you to feel hope and encouragement, and he wants you to be the person he's called you to be. Today is a new day. 